I'm here at the uh, Engage Expo in San Jose, California, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Noah Kagan, the president of Gambit. And what's, what's Gambit about? That's a good question. So we were game developers for about a year and a half, and we wanted to build a solution to help monetize our audience. So we built a system that does credit cards, PayPal, alternative payments, and basically makes it really easy to monetize your audience in virtual goods. And, um, you know, what, what services then do you offer? How would, how would game developers use your service if they have a social game on Facebook or any other place? Is this only for social networks or is it something else? Yeah, so it's really for anything on the web that, that needs to monetize. We specialize right now in, in online games. So it's kind of like if you have a broken car, you're not going to go fix yourself. You take it to a mechanic. So, you know, the value we provide is that if you're building a game, build your game, optimize it, grow it, and if you want to monetize it, you could do it yourself and hire other people or work with us where we've spent the past year and a half developing the technology, optimization, fraud, all the other buzzwords, but really managing and growing your revenue side and trying to be a partner from that because we understand what game developers want. Okay, so a developer then develops an RPG on Facebook? Yep. And um, how would they use your service? It's really easy. It's a plug-and-play solution. Uh, you can drop it in. Uh, it takes about less than 30 minutes, kind of Domino's Pizza style, to get it set up. Uh, and you can start selling your virtual currency. I think the real value that we can provide on top of that is, besides the system that you know, performs higher than most of the rest of the industry, is that we have the expertise from building games and actually saying, like, all right, these are good things to actually do and not do while you're developing your game. Yeah, can you talk about some of the strategies that developers can use um, to improve their game, raise monetization, you know, and en enhance the experience for players? Yeah, so actually I was meeting with a game company a few days ago, and they were like, hey, let's monetize, let's monetize. And I was like, you have 10,000 users. And so that's great if every user's worth $1,000. But sure. it's a social game, and so the, it's more of a volume play. And the thing with that is that you need to have a focus and a priority. So what we help people do is that, what's your priority? And so his actual priority was not revenue. It was yeah. actually growth. Okay. And so it was identifying, you know, you know, you can put in our in our offer system, our payment system, but it was like, hey, here are the you know the things you need to look for in your notifications. You know, the retention system is you know kind of crappy. You need to get them back to a certain period, like seven days. Sure. And at that point, they're going to you know be more likely to invite friends and then spend the money. Yeah. So it's really more of a complete solution versus just like, hey, we're a PayPal button or we'll manage your payments for you. Sure. And can you talk about other strategies that um, developers can use for retention? Um, sure. Is there have you seen any techniques that have worked pretty well? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff, specifically kind of on the Facebook level, um, it's been less about spamming your friends and getting them to you know, do it, but it's basically get into certain points of the game. In retention, it's a lot about, like Bejeweled Blitz is a game that I personally am addicted to, sure. and the reason that they, what they've done really smart is two things. One, they make it a weekly contest, yeah. so every week it's a reset. And so I'm like, well, I get my notifications, it's a weekly thing, I've got to go back and do it. And there's that social aspect of I want to do it because my friends are going to see my score and I want to beat them. Uh, secondly, what they do, which is really smart, which I think a lot of people should be doing, is looking at notifications when a friend or someone close to you has passed you in the system. Sure. Um, and they do it all the time. So I get okay. like, you know, Ash just beat me, and that's something I want to come back to. Uh, on the retention level, the biggest thing is, is I hate when people say metrics because it's so generic and easy. It's like, oh, look at your metrics. Sure. Um, other things on retention stuff that I would consider is just like the mindset of what's the, like, why does the person want to come back and what makes sense for them to actually come back. Like in okay. a lot of these farm games and RPG social stuff, yeah. um, you have to like tend your garden every 15 minutes or things are going to go bad. Yeah. Or you have to go tend your friend's garden and you can watch out for them. So, I mean, those are kind of the, the kind of standard tactics that people are using today. And do you have any other suggestions for other things that developers can use to enhance or, you know, raise the amount of people that they're serving with yeah. their games? So I think people are, are not recognizing that the market's going to get really saturated. And I think there's still tons of money to be made. If sure. I was, the question is, if I were not doing payments, what would I be doing as a game developer? Yeah. Um, I would be going where people aren't. So 
building on open social, Hives, MySpace. It doesn't have the, the appeal and the significant growth as Facebook, which is really strong. Sure. Um, within the Facebook ecosystem, I would go international countries. is something I've talked about with you before. It's, these countries have you know, average revenue per user is significantly comparable to the U.S. They don't have the volume, yeah. but would you rather be a big fish in a small pond or basically you know, create something that's going to get copied and dominated versus something that you know, you'll have a really nice business that no one else will know about? So aside from internationalization, where else do you see um, everything going um, in terms of games, uh, social games? So, I mean, I, stud- I study and play this stuff way too much. It's, uh, sure. it's a little obsessive. The challenge now is that when we were building games, it was mostly about spam, viral, instant growth, build the user base. And then it was like, oh, okay, now retention. So we then we threw in retention. And then it was like, oh, money, so let's sell them something. Yeah. Um, now you're really competing against companies. Like if you look at the top 15 Facebook apps, sure. over 40% are like funded companies that have developed like million-dollar games. Sure. So you have to consider where are you really going to have a chance in winning against that. Um, so if you really want to have a long-term strategy, you need to be spending a significant amount of money or figuring opportunities. The two opportunities I see right now that are still available um, are three. One is infrastructure, so build revenue streams. So if you're a game developer, sure. build additional ways that other game developers can make money. Yeah. Right? So there's payment solutions. There's way too many. But focus on ways that they can utilize those payment solutions better. Secondly, sports stuff. There's really just not that much of it. Yeah. Um, and it's a huge opportunity. Third is like gambling and skilled gaming. I think sure. there's a lot of money to be made in that, and no one's really tackled that stuff. And can you talk about the transition from text-based to flash-based? Have you seen any differences in terms of revenue per user for text-based versus flash-based? Does it even matter? You know, I, I feel like people quote all these numbers like, oh, get women that are 35 in the Midwest, and that's the yeah. way to make a lot of money. But what I've seen is just it, it's kind of like a common sense thing. You put more into the game, you're going to get more out. Sure. And, and that's kind of the thing you've seen with Flash, where it's a much more rich experience. The graphics are much more detailed. Uh, the user play is a lot different than a standard text game, which is, you know, how many can they really have? And the challenge with developers today is that unless you have a big team of 30, 50 people, you're not going to be able to produce the amount of content that a, you know, a large company is going to do. Yeah. Um, if you are an individual Flash developer that has been building kind of the non-persistent one-time Flash games, I think there's opportunity you know, to build you know, something unique that, that, could has, that has a chance of making a lot of money versus just a standard text thing. Okay. You know, I would, sorry, the last thing. Yeah. I would say the text thing is kind of easy money now, though, still. Yeah. Like, as much as I kind of harp on it, you could build a text game, put a certain niche on it. It's for you know, kids that are African and that are 15 to 19. Uh, one tip I would suggest is that Facebook advertising, no one's advertising specifically to international users. Sure. So if you actually look at rates, you can get you know same value of user in a foreign country as you could an American, but you get one-third of the cost. Sure. And um, so you really think that the text-based MMOs still have legs? I don't want them to. I want them to die. Um, the thing is, like, so I played them pretty obsessively for a few weeks. My girlfriend was pretty annoyed with it. And what happened, though, is I'm just, like, bored. And then I go to the yeah. next one, and, yeah, I get it. It's ice creams, and there's different flavors, so a mafia one is different than a vampire's one, but it's still yeah. the same system that you plug and play. And I feel that unless you have a really deep experience and you have a lot of people to build it, you know, your stuff's going to get boring and it's going to die out. And, you know, there's a standard RPG template. Is that something that should even be considered for developers? I mean, have you seen other types of game mechanics or game interaction structures that actually monetize better? Or, That's um, a really good question. Um, so in terms of the tech stuff, that it just does well. Yeah. Uh, other versions that are doing well are, like, tending to people's things. So, like, the garden stuff, the farm stuff, uh, you know, restaurant stuff. There's a new stuff around fishing, a lot of fish yeah. stuff, like aquarium. Um, I still think there's a lot of, so there's, that's kind of the genres that are doing really well. Virtual sure. worlds. Yeah. So basically, anything that's taken a significant amount of upfront investment yeah. um, is going to make, a, the average revenue per user is going to be a lot higher. So like virtual worlds like Habo and sure. uh, WeWorld and things like that, the users are just a lot more addicted and they're committed. I do have a theory, and it probably needs to be fleshed out, but it needs about, you need about three years to build a really significant business or stakehold within a game or a social community. So like Zynga's wow. taken two years to actually build, so maybe it's two to three. Okay. Um, 
And the overnight successes like Farmtown are you know, few and far between. It's just what we hear about. Okay, I hear a lot about offers, um, free offers and alternative payments. Uh, what are those about? So when we were game developers, we were using providers that had offers. And, and what, what's really great about it is that you know, people who are never going to pay you, they're freeloaders, they're international, or they're really young, sure. you're never going to make money on them. So this is an opportunity where they can sign up or pay for a service that you get the affiliate fee for. For. That's basically the bottom line. So let's say Netflix is one of the major examples. Netflix, let's say, pays $20. Yeah. So the user is not going to pay you, but maybe you know they want Netflix. So they'll buy Netflix, you get the 20 bucks, they get the coins, and you know they get the Netflix service. So it's a really good situation for everyone. Okay. And Netflix gets a new customer. Um, so there's good and bad about it. That's a really great scenario. And I think the future of the industry is about relevance, where you know personally, I like burritos. So if I could go buy burrito coupons and at the same time get my vampire points, sure. that's a good situation. Um, there are some negative offers where the user is signing up for free things and nothing in life is free, uh, where there is, you, know, you have to be careful about your community. And okay. that's why we provide a lot of tools to basically you know, see what things are working and what aren't and, and control that for long-term success. But we're seeing people increase revenue 10 to 20% uh, just by adding alternative payments slash offers, quote-unquote, is what they're called. Yeah, and can you talk about other ways that you've seen revenue spike up 10, 20, 50%? That's a really good question. So one of the, the studies that I like to talk about is a few clients have implemented a... Uh, blue light special so what you do is that on a random day you don't you tell them right in the morning you don't announce it that your exchange rate for that significant day is going to be doubled okay. and you send a mass email or your notifications or you put up a post and we've actually seen revenue increase 5x okay. so for 2x you get a 5x so it definitely makes sense and we haven't seen where it overcompensates so because it goes up 5x it's going to go down 5x sure. um, and it actually stays higher for the next few days oh, it does. even okay. from having that exchange rate so I think there's a, a lot of opportunity for people to, to test that kind of system out I think that's a really easy win um, if you're looking to increase revenue. I think you need to think long-term about how do you build microtransactions. So the best thing for me is how do you sell toilet paper yeah. where you know, they're going to need it, need it every few weeks yeah. or at least every day. Okay. And then how can, how can developers get started then? Uh, with, with your service. Oh, with our service, it's, yeah. it's not. I mean, developers, it depends on different stages. If you're a new developer, you really need to be focused on growing, retaining, uh, engaging your game, right? And then you know, throw us in. It takes five minutes to start monetizing, but your priority should really be growth. Uh, a larger studio, you know, we work with them on more of a custom solution that's fully integrated. You have no idea it's us. Uh, and it's just really about how do we make the user experience as well as maximizing revenue at the same time. Um, the thing that you, know, you always hear is people are like, there is money, there isn't money. I just say go do. Yeah. That, that's the bottom line. You never know. Uh, don't make excuses. Go try to build anything you can. Start with something simple like a text-based game. And if that works and you make some money, you can go you know, hire people or flesh that even more to different ideas. Okay. And um, what's the website that people can visit to get started? Yeah, so that's getgambit.com. And how do you spell that? G-E-T-G-A-M-B-I-T dot com. Thank you very much.